Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Mind on Mental Health podcast. My name is Andy Dean. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. And today, I'll once again be speaking with Araceli Reyes. Araceli is a licensed social worker as well as a primary therapist in the women's program at Penn Medicine Princeton House Behavioral Health in central New Jersey. In this episode, Araceli will be discussing PTSD as well as the submit collapse and attached trauma responses while using different characters in the Star Wars films as examples. Once again, we're hoping that talking about trauma responses in this way will help to illustrate how these responses can look in the real world. So I hope you guys find it helpful and enjoy the podcast. Okay, so we hit three out of five. First Two of all, more. So what's the fourth one we need to talk about? We need to talk about submit slash collapse. And the reason why that slashed is because submit happens in a similar manner as the decision tree. It could manifest itself as essentially submitting to everything. We say yes to everything, even though we know it's not a good idea, Mm -hmm. even though we really don't want to, but we feel that's the way to survive or achieve our goal. So we submit. We could feel feelings of shame because we submit, very self-sacrificing, having feelings of self-hatred. When the idea of we should say yes to something is not applicable, but we do need to submit to this moment, that's when the collapse response occurs. And collapse is the human version of playing dead. We feel like the energy has been sucked out of us. We feel very kind of like flaccid and loose. We may not be able to speak at all because the thoughts are just not formulating in our mind or the desire's not there. Um, we tend to really shut down when we go into collapse. So in our little survival analogy that we've been using of a bear in the woods, this would be the play dead response. This would be the play dead. Yes. Okay. So really shutting down and just kind of shutting down in the situation, knowing that some something you don't like may happen, but if I just kind of shut down, I'll survive it instead of, you know, maybe if I fight, I feel like obviously if, if you try to fight a bear, it will probably make things worse. Is, is that a good way to think yes. about it? Okay. Yes. Okay. So that makes sense to me. And, and and it could also elicit feelings and symptoms of depression. They mirror mm-hmm. each other a lot. Okay. So this is almost like the, the play dead response uh, is kind of the way I'm thinking about it. And also the say yes to everything just to get it over with. Mm, okay. Right. So, uh, which again, submitting to the bear, not that you're, you're saying yes to a bear attack in this situation, but you're almost thinking uh, I can let if I just sort of let some of this happen, then it won't be They'll as move bad. On. Correct. We can move on. It won't be as bad as if I put up yes. some other kind of fight. Okay. Again, we'll bring this back to sort of the Star Wars series. Is there a character or phenomenon, since you threw a curveball at me last time, uh, that sort of exemplifies this one? No, it is a character this time, and we're looking at Anakin Skywalker. Oh, okay. So Anakin from, from the the second series of trilogies even though it's the first in the timeline yes and also we see some of his submit behaviors in the original trilogy as well Hmm. so so in the original trilogy he's darth vader correct? correct okay yes so yeah yeah explain if we look at the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy anakin skywalker until he eventually becomes darth vader 
submits a lot to Chancellor Palpatine, who he tur- who turns mm-hmm. out to be the Sith, the big bad mm-hmm. of the film series. And it starts out in very kind of small, insignificant submissions by, like, in the prequel trilogy, he'll kind of go on many secret missions for Palpatine, even though he kind of feels very conflicted about it. Mm-hmm. But all along, he's submitting because he has this fear that his wife, Padme, is going to die in childbirth. And Palpatine manipulates and also tells him, hey, I could stop that from happening. So in order to not have the threat of him losing his wife, he submits, Mm. even though he's conflicted the entire time this occurs. He submits. He does it. He says yes until the ultimate act of submission when he chooses to protect Palpatine over his fellow Jedi and submits completely to the dark side. Mm. Another great example. But again, you know, I'm reminded of what you said to me earlier, which was that all of these responses are valiant in their own way. um, Because like in this one, he was doing what he thought he had to do to protect his wife. Similar to, you know, we talked about Yoda and Luke running away or the flight response but that was valiant because it kept them alive it kept the jedi order alive so uh, these are all valiant responses in their own way it's just that after the trauma occurs there can sort of be the shame element that we attach to it because maybe we wish we had responded in a different way um, or we think we could have done something differently even though we did what we had to do at the time to survive you got it you got it Okay, so this submit collapse response, we see this most clearly with um, Anakin slash Darth Vader. Also to illustrate more of how collapse was featured with Anakin Skywalker, you see this in the very first film of the prequel trilogy when he has left his home planet of Tatooine, joined Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan to go start his Jedi training. Mm -hmm. And in the ship, you notice he's huddled against this shuttle that they're in and he feels very cold he looks very sad very depressed in our language Mm -hmm. and that is a wonderful visual of what can happen when collapse is happening is that we shut down something very tremendous has happened so the body feels that the best way to maintain you is to collapse so just kind of shut down um not engage so much i don't know if that's the right word even um they may not engage but they will be very quiet sometimes they may choose to not engage at all in the outside world or in conversations but sometimes they can it depends on the intensity of the physical state gotcha. of the collapse okay i think another great example so now we've hit four out of five so why don't we bring it home and we talk can we talk about the last one now let's talk about attach attach so attach is the threat response which craves rescue they really Mm. think if i am close to someone if i'm connected to people i will be safe they need connection in order to feel safe They could present themselves as very innocent. They want someone to depend on. And at times can feel very desperate if they don't have that someone to depend on. So they seek it out as soon as they can. And that, my friend, is (laughs) C-3PO. Okay. 
no matter what film, it is C-3PO. <laughs> uh, I love it. I wasn't, I was running through the characters in my mind, thinking of all human characters, which apparently was a mistake, because I didn't expect this to go the way of a robot. Um <laughs> So C-3PO, the giant gold, or I'm sorry, the tall humanoid kind of robot, golden, yeah. that's always with R2-D2. Uh, yeah, he, the he... human-cyborg relations. <laughs> so he's our man for for the, the illustration of, of this attach trauma response. And you see this throughout every film he's in. He's going with the group. He's going with mm. where he feels the most safe. Sometimes it's with R2-D2. Sometimes it's not because for him, R2-D2 engages in risky behavior. So he'll separate just to go to what he feels is the safest person to be with. Okay. Yes, I could totally see what you're saying. And as a matter of fact, there's you probably have specific examples, but I guess just me in, in terms of like my um, my knowledge of the films, he always seems to be following somebody else around. Yes, yes. And like you said, oftentimes it's like R2-D2 is like going to go off in a certain direction and he just kind of follows him. So that makes perfect sense. And now I don't know if there is a, a specific scene you had in mind or if it's we're just talking about sort of the overall presentation of this character. One of the scenes I do have in mind is it's the first film of the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. The Jawas are now selling him an R2-D2 to who it turns out to be Luke Skywalker and the Skywalker family. And he's ready to just go with Luke. He didn't Mm. even assess any other potential buyers. He's like, this feels like a safe situation. I'm just going to go. Okay. And and that's what C-3PO does throughout the films. So sort of the initial introduction we have to this character, he he's exemplifying this right as soon as we meet him. Yes. Okay. So I'm wondering if we can take this example, this attached response, and apply it to that survival situation that we've been talking about, about like a bear in the woods. Now, in my mind, that might look like maybe you meet a hunter in the woods and you don't know anything about them, but you think that there's a bear nearby, so you... Um, you stick with them even though you don't know anything about this person. Is, is that sort of how maybe you can think true. about it? Okay. That is, that is a good way to visualize it. It's like, I don't know anything about this hunter. I know he's a hunter and has a weapon. Mm-hmm. And he's going to protect me because he has the means to protect me. So I will attach. Gotcha. Okay. Obviously, there is a lot of wisdom in that. Um, and also, it could present its own set of challenges. Yes. Okay. So this is sort of an extreme example in the woods. I'm wondering if you can give maybe a more human example of what this could look like in real life. So in real life, this could look like I'm in a place that is totally new to me. I'm lost. I'm going to go seek someone out to help guide me out of this. And I'm going to connect with them for a little bit till they get me to my destination. Mm -hmm. So it could be asking for directions and, even though it may feel like we're just going to anybody to ask directions, we are initially looking around to, and our brain is going to assess who's the person we should go to. What are the indicators that this person may be able to help me? And it happens very automatically. It happens instinctually. So I guess I'm thinking about 
toxic relationships and almost I could see how there's sort of a correlation between this and maybe domestic violence. Yes. So is that sort of where we commonly see this if we think about real world implications of this trauma response? That is the arena in which that trauma response occurs in most. And breaking that down even further, the attach occurs because on the surface, we made an assessment, this is the right person to protect me. Mm -hmm. But then as the relationship progressed, you saw a lot of their negative behavior. Mm -hmm. But that attachment sometimes can feel very strong. Mm-hmm. And it may negate us from seeking healthier attachments. Gotcha. Okay. Bringing it back to Star Wars, if I may. Yes, please. If we think of the Sith Master Padawan mm-hmm. dynamics, that's a very toxic relationship. It's really maladaptive attachment. But that relationship continues to occur because the Master has something the Padawan wants or needs. And the Sith Master is not very kind. And they're not really invested on that Padawan because they could just change it up as soon as they see fit. So (laughs) just just in case people don't know what we're talking about here, the Padawan is sort of the... The the, student. The student. The the, apprentice. The apprentice of the Sith who is like the, the evil version of a Jedi. Correct. Okay. Within the within the Jedi and a Sith, there's always a master and there's always a student. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying is that in the films, the Sith master doesn't always treat these apprentices, probably rarely treats these apprentices well, but they have something that they need or want from these masters. So they sort of um, do what they're told to do uh, and they're attached to this person. Yes. Okay. So again, I mean, just sort of a good example of what we can call sort of a toxic relationship. I would agree. And I guess I'm thinking, even though sort of in this context, you know, I was talking about toxic relationships and, and attachment in in terms of those kinds of relationships, but there are also healthy attachments that we have to other people. So how do you sort of differentiate this? And what does that look like in terms of this trauma response, this attached trauma response? The attach response in essence is a very neutral response. Mm -hmm. Its goal is to attach to someone to feel safe or to establish safety. Right. We can attach to healthy people and create healthy relationships. What can sometimes happen is because we've experienced trauma, our brain has become overly sensitive and we may inadvertently attach to unhealthy people. Mm Mm-hmm. And the goal is when we discovered that to kind of end that attachment and attach to more healthier individuals in our life. And really, I guess that's sort of a global truth when it comes to all these trauma responses. You know, there can be positive outcomes attached to them and there can be more negative outcomes attached to them. Yes. So, you know, there might be a good response uh, in terms of the dangerous situation if you choose to fight or there might be. Uh, sort of a a more negative response. And similar to that, in this case, there could be positive people that we attach to, and there could be negative people that we attach to. But you're saying that when we experience a trauma, that can kind of 
maybe the decision making can be a little bit more muddled in terms of who we think can protect or who we choose to attach ourselves to. Yes, it can. Okay. And why, why do we think that that happens after we experience the trauma? There's different trains of thought. Mm -hmm. It's felt that the attached response will go to someone that seems very powerful and has the means and ability to protect us. So that's why we attach Mm -hmm. or initially they seem like a very good person, very sweet fills in all the things we're missing in life. So we attach and then we realize that's just a facade, but we get caught. Mm -hmm. So that can occur for many different reasons. Okay. But that makes a lot of sense. Again, essentially you're initially doing something to protect yourself, which is, finding safety in in another person yes it's it's seeking someone to help provide safety okay well araceli once again i i wonder what the next movie we're gonna do is (laughs) we did uh encanto and then you said this was gonna be your um mr holland's opus i i uh, hope so i hope so (laughs) i loved it i loved it i love doing it like this um so i wonder what our next our next movie will be Um, it makes me wonder if it should i'm I'm gonna be honest i'm throwing out an idea let's see but Uh, your job is to rein me in in case it's not doable let's hear it but how about we talk about moon knight and did oh well here's the thing I actually just watched the first episode of that show, uh, and I really do like it, but now now we're going to some obscure places with, with our characters. Uh, at least with Encanto and Star Wars, we're, we're talking about they were Disney pretty, movies okay. that billions of people they're have mainstream. seen. They're <laughs> yeah, mainstream. Yeah, they're very mainstream. Okay. So we'll see. You never know. Maybe Moon Knight is going to explode in popularity, and that will be an easy the one to talk topic. about. And also, hey, ready? Here's my nerd credential. Go ahead. Oscar Isaac connection. Star Wars and Moon Knight. True. Very right? true. Very uh, true. Because he was in the Star Wars movies as well. Yes, he was. All right. Well, I always have a lot of fun when we do this. So thank you so much for coming on, and we'll definitely do it again. Thank you, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Bye. Bye.